everyone. Welcome to episode 103 of Wait a Week Mystery, the podcast where we read the novels of mystery author J.C. Bodden. This is your host, J.C. herself. Today we are reading from my first novel, entitled Someone to Watch Over Me, copyright 2007. Chapter 3, Things That Go Bump in the Night. Inside the dorm, I was struck once again by the change from yesterday. The lobby was empty except for Samantha, a resident and work-study student, sitting at the front desk. How's everything? I asked. Pretty quiet. Any messages? She sorted through the basket of notes. No, but there was a guy here looking for you. A guy? I looked around the room, but no one else was there. He didn't give me his name, just wanted to know if you were in. I told him no, and he hung around for a while, watched some TV, and then left. Did he say what he wanted? No, but, well, I don't know. Samantha bit her lip, a worried frown on her face. What? He was, I don't know, sketchy. Sketchy? She shrugged. What did he look like? Dark hair, muscular, ratty blue jeans, ball cap pulled low over his face. She demonstrated with her hand plain blue t-shirt. Anything else you remember? Like what? His eyes. Were they blue? I thought of Joe. Samantha's frown deepened. I didn't notice. I couldn't think why Joe would be looking for me, but someone had been hanging around. The fact that someone had made Samantha uncomfortable worried me. I'm a firm believer in trusting your instincts about a suspicious person. I've heard enough stories from Dad. Well, the next time there's a sketchy guy hanging around the lobby, call the campus police and ask them to drive by. You're sure he left? I checked the lobby again. Yeah, I kept a close eye on him. Trust your instincts and call the cops next time, okay? As I walked up the stairs, I wondered if I should put in a call. The guy was gone, but I didn't know Samantha well enough to fully trust her judgment. I considered going back to Samantha again, just for a talk, but I doubted I would get much more information than I already had. I flopped on the old couch in my apartment and switched on the television. It seemed like I was swimming up from the bottom of a deep pool. I had fallen dead asleep, but something had startled me awake, and I threw my arms out and sat up. Goosebumps pricked my arms, and I had a bad moment when I thought someone was in the room with me, but it passed quickly. The TV blared, and I glanced at my watch, pushing myself off the couch needed to wash a load of laundry and realized that I hadn't even considered the experiments I needed to recheck in the morning. The laundry room was in the basement, and I was relieved that no one else was there. With only three washers and dryers, usually at least one machine was full of someone's forgotten wet things, but tonight everything was completely empty. I filled two machines, adding detergent and quarters before heading back upstairs. It was past curfew and the lobby was dark, Samantha was off-duty. At this time of night, residents needed their keys to enter. Also, all male guests were to have been escorted out. Remembering Samantha's sketchy visitor, I decided to double-check the front doors before heading upstairs. As I crossed the lobby, a man appeared on the stairs from the third floor. I froze, wondering who he was, but he quickly trotted down the steps and across the lobby as though he hadn't seen me. Uh, hello? Can I help you? I said. 
He didn't turn or even break stride. Excuse me? He still didn't acknowledge me, just pushed the front door open, letting himself out. I followed and tugged the handle again, making sure the lock was engaged, then watched out the window as he walked away from campus, toward town. Muscular, jeans, dark t-shirt, ball cap. He fit Samantha's description. Of course, he also fit the description of about two-thirds of the men on campus. The summer after his second time through kindergarten passed rather quickly. His mother had a boyfriend. The two spent a lot of time together, frequently leaving the child home alone. He wondered again why he was so unlovable that even his own mother had to look elsewhere. It never occurred to him that she was neglectful. She was his mother, after all. Besides, the man made her smile, at least in the beginning. Not every day during that summer was happy. As the summer wore on, there were more and more nights when the couple would come home from wherever they had been, and the drinking would turn to yelling and storming around the small apartment. His mother's boyfriend was a large man with a quick temper, and during these times the boy generally stayed hidden away, lest he become the focus of the man's wrath. Occasionally he saw the man hit his mother, and once the man threatened to hit the child, but in a rare show of courage and maternal instinct, his mother took the blow for him. At times, beer bottles were hurled against the kitchen counter or a wall, and once the jagged neck of a broken glass was wielded as a threatened weapon. One hot August night, during a particularly loud and extended drunken altercation, a neighbor finally called the police. A man was hauled away in handcuffs, with his mother first sobbing and then practically assaulting the officers to try to prevent the arrest. The next day, the man was back, his mother having refused to press charges, and promises were made all around that the arguing, but not the drinking, would stop. Life was wonderful for the next few days. Then, just before school started back, the man abruptly stopped coming to the apartment, without explanation. His mother's drinking now began in earnest. The boy spent many hours wondering about the problem, plotting to fix it. After all, things had been better after the police had come, and an abusive boyfriend was still a boyfriend, better than being alone. His mother certainly seemed to think so anyway. The child imagined the look on her face when he returned with her boyfriend. He imagined how she would smile and hug him and thank him. He imagined that the three of them would go out for pizza and then to the park, his mother holding his hand as they walked. He dreamed that they would be a happy family, that he would have a mother and a father that loved him, and that the drinking and fighting would stop. He was a little boy, but he had a very big dream. That's the end of Chapter 3 of Someone to Watch Over Me. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed all of the chapters that you've listened to so far. If you subscribe to this uh, podcast, you can tune in next week for chapter four. And if you can't wait a week for your mystery, pop on over to Amazon. There you can download the complete book for your Kindle. Or you could even order a paperback version. That's J.C. Bodden, B-O-D-D-E-N. You can find me also at jcbodden.com. I would love to hear from you. So until next week, happy waiting.